This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Here we go again. We're going to scare ourselves witless. Yeah, I, I wouldn't really listen to this podcast <laughs> no. if you don't want to be You're a of a nervous scared. disposition. Don't so we start off very much talking about the football and the racism around mm. the football. Um, and then we move into other scary things um, that we will have to face as parents with our kids going out. And in fact, ourselves. No, you know, God, so, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, a good one, but not an easy listen, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you might want to go somewhere else. <laughs> and you might want to listen to Shagged, Married, Annoyed, really. In fact, I would recommend you listen to any other podcast than this one. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> We're laughing. Oh. Welcome to Confessions of Modern Parents. You cannot believe how many challenges we are facing to get this See podcast. See if you can guess what this one is. We are inundated with flies. It's a very, very hot day. We've got two ill dogs that we're having to separate. So we've just done everything for them, given them a little walk, given them love, given them food, given them water and tried to settle them yeah. so that we can come in and do but the both, podcast. Both our dogs are quarantined <coughs> and we've got a skip arriving. So we've got a skip arriving. We're and my chair is squeaking. His chair is squeaking. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please get us back, back into in our bloody studio. studio. Also, because we have to... Have to come into this room so you can't hear the dog coughing but what you can hear instead is traffic we're just gonna have to bruise through just imagine that you're here with us yeah. in our home with all the normal sounds and aggravations that you would have in any bustling family home okay so wow Yet again, a massive response yeah, on my huge, Instagram. Huge. Even bigger than last week, we talked about regret. Do we regret being a parent? I saw that I made the Daily Express. Did <laughs> you? Talking about regretting the timing, I stress. Of, oh, uh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they talked God, in great that. detail about that. I got very concerned as I went there thinking, oh, my God, how are they going to characterise this? And they just lifted the lifted our, what we'd said, ad verbatim. So it was Brilliant. Fine. Brilliant. Phew. Because <laughs> yeah, this is the very dangerous things for, thing for us, guys. Doing Confessions of a Modern Parent is quite a squeaky bum thing because, you, you know, the newspapers or the, you know, online papers could pick up something, take it out of context mm. that could potentially, you know, upset our yeah. children. Yeah. So we do take a risk by doing this. But we also are, we try to be honest whilst also being very considerate and mindful. Yeah. And likewise with all of your comments. And actually, as I say, I went through all of the socials and we've had an even larger reply and response to this than we did originally to the regret um, one. And I just need to ask you, I may need to ask you what you actually asked again, Nadia, on your on your Instagram when we well, get to them. I reached out to on my Instagram and it was off the back of the, the night of the football. Maddie yeah. had been out in the pub and all kinds of things happened in the pub and then it had 
spilled onto the streets and she was walking with a group of friends of hers, two of whom were black. And these boys got um, spat at, racially insulted, and she was telling this story upset for them. And, mm. and we were really upset because she said that her friends had apologised to her. Just to put this in context, because we have a lot of international listeners outside of Europe, this was the night of the Euro right, Championships okay. final. So it was England v um, Italy. England had lost. And there's, I don't know whether it's sort of spread around the world, um, but there's been an immense amount of racism towards yeah. the black footballers in the England team. Just to give you a, yeah, a of sense course, of the febrile good. nature of yeah. the evening. Um, you know, and, and she dealt with everything very well. Yeah. But of course... As a parent, every time she goes out, I mean, last night she was, she went out, she looked a million dollars and she comes in and she says, mom, how do I look? And I think, wow, you look a million dollars. And then I get terrified and I think, how are you getting home? What's the Uber going to be like? And it's just, we never sit easy when they're out of the house. And, uh, and so of course we are just like every other parent in the country. So we, we really wanted to hear from you guys, how you deal with it, either young people or parents. And also, as ever, we have um, recordings from our daughter, Maddie, who I think is going to explain a bit mm. about that night. Mm. And my friend Lisa's son, Carlitos, because of course it's it's very different. It, it, can, it can be just as scary for a boy and for a girl, but it's different sort of... Yeah, worries. I mean, I was going to say, as a topic, I suppose it's what are we most scared of for our children or mm. what's worrying us most in the world at the moment for the future for our children? Cause I, I, have... I think there's just this, like you said there, there's a free, there was a febrile atmosphere yeah. um, last, last Sunday night, but actually... Through the pandemic, I have just found it's just built and built. And yeah, built. and that's what There's I was about so to say. so much anger, yeah. so much discontent, so much suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that find it very difficult to articulate how they feel and so go and get very, very drunk and find a way mm-hmm. to articulate it or to... <laughs> well, I think, there are, I think there are lots of categories of worry. I mean, like, for example, at the moment, I don't know about you, I'm going through a particular worry about the environmental issues and climate change on the planet and how this will actually look in several years. Then there's the racism and male aggression, which is male aggression to, obviously, we only have daughters. So, you know, male aggression is a massive problem for boys and girls on the streets. Well, exactly. There's racism, there's sexual assault, there's all sorts of categories there. Yeah, but in that particular one, take Maddie's situation. So when she's telling me about she's out with her group of friends and they're all boys and it's kicking off for the boys, I might she I remember being in similar kinds of situations yeah, and feeling too. very much like yeah. I had to step up to the plate. And standing and defending your friend as a girl doesn't mean that you're not gonna couldn't potentially get stabbed, mm. beaten up, whatever. So uh, also homophobia. Mm, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, both of our daughters have friends that are gay and have all sorts of abuse thrown at them out mm. on the street. And again, you would feel that you would have to defend your friend, um, which I can't say to the kids, don't. Because, mm. But I want to. I want to scream and say, run in the opposite direction. <laughs> I mean, I think, again, going back to the specifics of that night, because I think that's what ignited the idea for this conversation. I know that that night and the following morning, there was a collective national mm. hangover both for those literally who'd gone out, run amok and caused chaos and and damage and upset and distress, uh, and also a hangover for those of us who were regretting the way in 
which so many people in our country had behaved. And if I'm honest, it was the first time I, I literally have seriously wanted to live in a different country because I don't like what we're becoming. And I don't care about saying that. I know you, you're probably going to disagree with the extent to which I'm going to say that across this. I'm embarrassed to be English. I'm embarrassed by our nation. And I think things have got worse and are getting worse since two things have happened, Brexit and COVID. Brexit has made us much more interior-looking, insular, and it's kind of justified low-level and high-level racism. And COVID, thanks to the likes of Pretty Patel, has turned us all into, or a lot of us, into snooping, judgmental... Tell-on-your-neighbour uh, tell types. Mm. And so I, I just think this is a perfect storm for us as a nation to just become really quite horrendous and unsafe and it's not nice as a parent knowing our kids are going out into this world yeah i mean you know i think the collective hangover um is, is the perfect way to describe it i mean and and it was a hangover of negativity negativity yeah, because i mean you and i didn't have a drop of drink that night but the next day for the next two or three days mm. we felt like we'd been beaten up mm. we felt like we had you know drunk a bottle of vodka and yeah. it was just like you say that negativity seeps into you can't escape yeah. it that horror the terrible films that we were seeing mm. the embarrassment for our nation when you and what other countries were saying about us mm. of course we must say this was a minority of terrible ah, uh, I, was people. Just, I was just about to say i was just about to say because one of the things on our social media we went to great lengths to say, oh, you know, it's a minority that have ruined it for a majority. And by and large, in terms of the actual violent behaviour, yes, it is a minority. But this is this is the most important part of this. And I know that I have to stress for listeners, we're white and we're middle class. We're in no position to say that it's a minority if we were gay, if we were black and if we're a woman. Because women, anyone of colour or any other race, creed or culture... And anyone who's gay or trans or whatever that isn't the mainstream heterosexual, I think they would argue it's not a minority and it happens at low level. I think it's very easy for us <laughs> middle class. No, I think I, a lot of middle class yeah. white people go, oh, it's just yeah, a minority. No, no, but hang on a minute. Let me, let, me, let me just clarify. What I meant was the violence yeah, within absolutely. Wembley. Yeah. You know, the majority of people there were not kicking other people's heads in. I'm, I meant very specifically. But everyone there booed films. the Italian national anthem. Yeah, it was disgusting. Everyone. So it that's my point. It might not be violence, but all of it. I mean, even Pretty yeah. Patel, they have a right to boo. I mean, what, what, what are we well, dealing with? Well, there? everything this government does is about dividing people. Yeah. It's divide and rule yeah. at the moment. And just as we're talking about it, because I was concerned what I was going to say, you know, I'm getting so cross and so distressed at what this nation is becoming. I mean, I, I, I don't use, we don't use the word stupid accurately enough, but we're becoming one of the stupidest nations on the planet. Should we listen to Maddie about that night? So I was really, um, you know, shocked and disappointed with this country after the um, <clears throat> football match the other day. Um, but I also wasn't surprised, which I think is the worst thing about that. <laughs> um, and obviously I was I was out when the football match happened, you know, I kind of went to a pub with my friends to go and see it. And the energy was actually really nice during the match and before it started, like people were very loud, people were very happy, excited, um, <clears throat> friendly. 
<laughs> and yeah, I felt like as the match kind of carried on, I just felt people get angrier. And um, uh, I was really just, it was just a very scary environment to be around, especially when the match had finished and we'd left. Um, I was just shocked to just see how the attitude had just changed in so many people. Um, first of all, I saw so many girls kind of walking on their own, very drunk, which was very scary. So me and my friends were kind of making sure that they were safe and okay. Um, and obviously the racism that came from that night was just so um, disgusting, really. And it made me so embarrassed of this country. Um, and I just feel so sorry for the for the football players, you know, and everything. And um, I just think it's so disgusting that, you know, until that point, all of the black players were being cheered on, were being, you know, called heroes, all of this. And as soon as we lose the final, all of the fans just completely turned on all of the black players, which is just so unfair and makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, and, you know, I also, when we were walking back from the match and everything, I have, like, black friends that were just being, like, you know, we were just minding our business and walking home, all of us, and just all these other fans would just come over and were just spitting at my black friends, and then... You know, it was just, it, it was just such an uncomfortable environment. No, nobody felt safe, and I just think that's such a horrible thing. And it couldn't be more of, oh yeah, it's so disappointing that we lost the game, but you know, we're happy for Italy. And like, it was just, it just turned so suddenly, and it was just really horrible. And then what it ended up becoming was just, you know, especially the next day, was that the black community ended up just feeling too scared to leave their houses. And that is just such an upsetting thing that what comes from, you know, a game that could have been really uniting and could have, like, really united people. Um, yeah, we lost and it was disappointing, but that could have brought us closer together. But instead of that, it ended up, yet again, separating everyone again and making loads of people feel very unsafe. And... I just find that so disappointing and upsetting. But like I said earlier, like, it didn't surprise me um, because I've kind of just felt this building. I also feel like with the pandemic, there was just this anger that was building and building um, the whole time and there was something that all that anger was going to explode at and it just happened to be this match. I also was so disgusted at how so many of the Italian fans were treated. I saw some horrible videos of them being beaten up at the match. It was just, it was really disgusting. Um, and yeah, I just, I just feel, I don't know. I just feel like the whole day ended up feeling, making everybody feel very just, I don't know. Yeah, sad, disappointed and just bleh, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just so embarrassed of the country. And um, I really wish that... And also, you know, because I've spoken to... When I was speaking to my dad about it, like my dad said, I feel like so many of this has come from 
a deep-rooted kind of racism, you know. Um, it's from it's from a deep-rooted racism that's kind of come from Brexit. Um, and that's not me saying, like, you know, I don't judge everybody that voted for Brexit because I don't believe that everybody that voted for Brexit is racist. But, um, you know... <laughs> It hasn't helped at all with racism in this country. Brexit's really, I think it's just brought us so many years back. And um, I also saw a really amazing post the other day that was like, even if Saka, you know, the football player, wasn't 19 years old, even if he wasn't 19 years old, he doesn't have to be a superhero for him to be treated normally, to be treated like a white man can, do you know what I mean? It's almost this thing of like, when it comes to black people, it's like, well, they didn't do this, like, they used to do this. It's like, they don't need to be a superhero for them to be treated like a human being. Do you know what I mean? And I just, uh, even if he wasn't 19, he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have had the pressure of, like, the nation on him. Do you know what I mean? It was too much for a 19-year-old to deal with and anyone to deal with. Um, and honestly, it just broke my heart. And I ended up feeling more rubbish when the game finished not because we lost but because I just could feel what was going to come from it and I feel like everybody as soon as we lost that match um everybody kind of knew what was going to come from that it was awful that my first thought was oh god this is gonna bring so much hate to those players and so many um fans you know that well the Italian fans or any black fans or you know and it was just it was just upsetting and it really brought the mood down completely because obviously when it first started off, all of me and all my mates when we were out, it was just such a lovely thing. And because obviously with COVID, it was just so lovely to see so many people out. It started off with such positive vibes and it had to end with such a drop, you know, and oh, I just, it made me really ashamed, to, to be honest. Um, and I was just really scared for like, my generation as well, because, I don't know, I just feel like there's weirdly this amount of... I, I don't know if a lot of people would agree with me on this, but I just feel like there's a lot of anger towards, like, my age group and generation at the moment. I don't know why. But, um, I was... So I was really scared about me and my mates kind of when we left, and there were a lot of angry, scary people that we managed to quite quickly avoid... Um, but say I'd been on my own or any of my other friends, I would have really been quite worried and it shouldn't have been like that. We shouldn't have felt that unsafe on the streets, especially considering how kind of safe and included we felt at the start of the game. So, yeah, I would just say, like, that this match has just made me really ashamed and embarrassed of our country. Um, I thought that our players played really well. I think they're amazing and they don't deserve the, the hate they're getting. Um, yeah, and honestly, it just breaks my heart. Well, I think what she's talking about there, and this is a word I've used about it, what we had demonstrated that night is that it was totally conditional support of the mm. black players. Totally conditional acceptance and tolerance of difference by people who weren't really feeling it for real. Mm. And... As she says, they would have been heroes if we won. But that conditional support was, well, conditional. 
They didn't. Mm. And look what happened. Mm. And I think she is right. We have we did talk at great length about Brexit. And it's that old adage. Uh, not everyone who voted for Brexit is a racist. But you can bet your bottom dollar that every racist probably voted for Brexit. And I think, you know, that's a really important thing to keep hearing and thinking about. Because, you know, you know, I mean, national boundaries and all these all these ideas of insular looking and who we are and being proud. This is this is the horrible end of nationalism. This is the horrible end of jingoistic nationalism. And I, I think it's dangerous. And so when I look to the topic of this discussion, which is the future for our kids, okay, it's different for us. We're not from an ethnic minority. We don't have boys. But we worry very specifically about the safety of our girls from a sort of sexual perspective. Well, and their friends, and, and we worry friends, about exactly. their friends, and we worry about what they have to see, what they have to witness. Mm. You know, I mean, those films. I mean, when we were growing up, there was violence in football, but you'd, you'd see a bit of it on the news. But this is you're talking about close up, detailed films being shared over and over again on on social media, and this doesn't help us. Mm. You know, when we're bringing up our kids, you know, how do we, like with, with Kiki, you know, who's now 13, you know, trying to balance making her aware of how dangerous the streets are, but also to give her a sense of freedom to mm. get out there and experience an life. This is the impossible line mm. that we are all Oops, well, we told you there'd be dogs that were all walking. Um, I actually didn't tell you this uh, that happened to us the other day, right? So I took my parents and Kiki to the sleepy town of Christchurch in Dorset the other day. And, oh, a real break from London, a real break from the streets here and the, just the, like, constant feeling that you're under attack. Oh, lovely. Got off on the train. It was just heavenly. Wait, a cab was outside and he said, oh, I I'm going to be just 10 minutes. Just wait for me here. Will you wait for me here? And I was a bit like irritated. Oh, can I wait? Shall I call for a cab? Anyway, we're standing there and then I spot this young lad. He must have been about 18, 19. Dog coughing, it's a dog cough. And he was just standing the other side of the train station, just staring at Kiki. Just fully staring off his nut right so I've got my parents my dad's very very fragile he's just got off the train my mom is like completely unaware I'm thinking that Kiki's unaware and I'm absolutely panicking going to the station seeing if there's anyone I'm, I'm now like in full like because I, he looked like he was going to run for us and just attack us this know. is in Dorset sleepy town Christchurch anyway long story short the wonderful cab driver did come back. Honestly, I felt like I wanted to cry because I felt under so and so much danger. We jumped in the cab, and because the boy at this time had walked across and was walking very slowly but very purposefully towards us, completely off his head on something I don't know what. Got into the cab, and I was like, because Kiki had been on her phone, so she said to me straight away, "Mum, did you see him? Did you see that boy?" I said, "Oh, did you notice?" She said, "Mum, he was so scary. I didn't know whether I should look straight at him or look away. Wait, you know, basically, should I confront him?" And I just thought, Jesus Christ! My heart didn't stop pounding for ages. This was a late teens, you know, early twenties. Could have been on any drug. Could have been drunk. Completely vulnerable. How do I protect my daughter and my kids? And our kids are going out every day and facing this. No, I know. I mean, we talked about that quite a bit, didn't we, on the on the chat about sexual harassment and how safe the streets are after the Sarah Everard. But you're right. It's one. There are so. It feels to me. It's a bit like was it whack a mole? Yeah. You sort of. 
you can't resolve any of these issues, but you sort of, you tackle them in an inefficient manner as a parent. Yeah. You try and equip your kids, as you rightly say, with a sense of going into the world, because they've got to go into the world, mm. but be cautious, but don't wreck your freedom. Da, da, mm. da, da. And then you might get to a place of relative comfort, but well, not comfort, but relative sort of security-ish around one of them. And then you look to another and you're like, oh, fucking hell. Exactly. So Maddie has this horrendous experience out on the streets in Balham. And we go to Sleepy Dorset and this hits us. like, like, And I mean, the other day I was walking along with Kiki and I was, you know, and I do do this with her sometimes. I said, you've just got to keep looking all the time. So, you know, my eyes going over to the right. That's a very strange looking person. What is he up to? Mm. Oh, okay, that's that. So you just, you crisscross across the road, you know, you take another route and I'm just oh my god it's 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 exhausting it's depressing it's frightening mm. and i think, and what, I think are, what is the answer you can't lock them up though no. sometimes it feels like we want to doesn't yeah, it listen honest absolutely. to god it really does but one of the other things that maddie talked about there is this sort of this apparent anger at the younger generation yeah, there's a lot of that there's a lot of preachy judgy kind mm. of middle aged kind of resentment and and fury i mean like maddie talks a lot about when they go out say if a young person pulls a mask down to take a drink or because they just need to take a breath there's someone on them as quick as a flash trying to sort of characterize them as this irresponsible part Mm. of the population and i do think we can't ignore the fact that the pandemic has kind of created you know how in the summer those summers those hot summers claustrophobic summers and there was all those riots on the streets and you know they talk you know often about how that sense of heat and oppression can aggravate yeah. sort of social yeah. injustice and inequity and suddenly it kicks so up people are on the edge of their nerves people and the edge. well if you think about that's the nation yeah. right now that's it's the a world. tinderbox it's the world that it's the you world. cannot underestimate and yet we've probably got negativity. the best solution to anyone in the world I mean I know in terms of the deaths but in terms of the vaccines we're a privileged wealthy country yeah. that has it a lot better than can a lot of other nations what it's like can you, let's just take our blessings again exactly so, you know, and again, all of these things, listener, made us feel just quite depressed. And we don't want this to be, a, well, I mean, I always say that. We always feel this burden of pressure to not be depressing or not to have a negative feeling. Yeah, this, that podcast, this podcast is about us yeah. sharing as parents the multitude of different things that we now yeah. have to fear when our kids go out. But also it's that thing, I tell you what I get really frustrated with is that if you air these worries or grievances, you're met with this this line which is it's not as bad as that it's not everyone or worse boris will say project fear you know you've got this this sort of blind optimism coming from a bullingdon set eatonite is fine if you're middle class and white he hasn't got a bloody clue what it's hasn't like to actually be on clue. the street why doesn't everyone buy a bicycle but do you actually know how much a bicycle costs exactly not everyone can buy a bicycle and do you know actually, how often a bicycle gets nicked you know i mean it's just like look let's look at it really from a social perspective yeah. you say buy a bicycle you probably put it in your extension to your extension to your extension whereas most people end up losing them on the street so as, well, my, as, as a somebody that i know who lives really near checkers absolutely on the dot of four o'clock every friday he arrives with his group with his family and they have a lovely weekend in the country yeah, you know lovely. so let's 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 they they really don't have a clue what it's like and what i don't understand about our country listener i don't know if you feel like this it's is the way political in, today this yeah, no, 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 but what i don't get <laughs> is the way in which we almost collectively as a nation doff our cap or we, we tip our cap in a sort of deferential manner to these i mean you look at the top top 
the top groups or the top sort of levels of every set of industries and sectors, they're all privileged, principally white, mm-hmm. middle class or upper class people. And we all kind of, I'm not, I'm not advocating revolution necessarily, but actually, it's only Saturday morning, no, no, we've got no, no. a lot else on. Some, sometimes you think, well, what do we do to reset? What do we do <laughs> to reset? I've got a pie in the oven. <laughs> Should we have a listen to Carlitos? Because he always he always kind of lightens the mood, doesn't he? <laughs> so let's have a listen. Being out and about can be really scary if you think about it. I was I was thinking to myself the other day, every time you go outside, you are potentially risking your life. And we just don't, you know, we just don't think about that really. I think since lockdown eased, everything has gotten more and more like busy and, and crime has picked up again. I think being locked in the house for so long has almost made me forget what being outside is actually like. And now I've got a little bit of like social anxiety because of it. Um, It's almost as if I forget how to do simple things. I would literally just overthink the most simplest of things and think the worst was going to happen. Like, for example, if someone were to literally walk past me on the street I would think about how I would defend myself if they were to turn around and try to mug me or something you know I just worry about a lot now than I like more than I did before lockdown and if you add on to that the worry that I think I think before I say this I think it's because you know we had our worries and then lockdown came and all our worries and things like that were just shifted onto covid And now, and we got quite used to that. And now that it's, you know, everything's opening up again, we've got so many different things that we have to worry about. I think that what it might is what it might be. Um, But if you add on to that, the worry that every time you step foot outside your house, you might catch COVID, even if you're taking every precaution. Um, And people my age haven't had jabs. So there's a worry that we could get it. And, there's also a worry that then it could turn into long COVID. You know, there's just a lot that I think about. Um, I have avoided putting myself in certain certain situations because of all these worries. I think it is still a scary world we live in, despite how watered down we think other things may be due to COVID. I think I deal with everything much like every other person does. Um, there's not much you can do with, you know, wash your hands, wear a mask. It's just, you've got to be careful. And with the social anxiety thing, I've, I've started to, um, to learn how to fight. Well, not to fight, but to defend myself. Um, it's something I've always wanted to know how to do. I've just never got around to doing it. And, um, with both my parents knowing martial arts, I thought it was perfect. And, you know, that's something that I'm working on now, too. I think it can be really scary on the streets. Anything can happen. You know, maybe that's why I'm a home bug and I would rather sit in my pyjamas and watch TV than go out. Oh, mm. you know what? 
Carlitos, I always wonder about that. I know you always say, oh, I like to be at home, but I do wa- I've do. i always wondered how much of that is the mm. worry about being outside. Mm. You know, and it's a really good point he brings up there. And I was wondering if any, any, of, any of the people that have written in um, say the same thing. I really, really want the girls to go to proper self-defence class because I, I know it's very, yeah, 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 self-defence. But actually, we have to arm them with something. And even if that isn't necessarily going to save you save your life or save you in a very difficult situation to feel that you are in some way proactive and not just you know um just a hundred percent vulnerable to everything with no idea of what you would do even if it's just how to breathe in a panic situation <laughs> run away because when i was younger and i got you know attacked a couple of times the worst thing for me was i couldn't breathe mm. like if you can't breathe you can't do anything um can yeah, I just, can he, I, yeah. He, he, you know, he, he, he hits the nail on the head here. You know, we've got, we'd put to one side all our other worries. We'd forgotten about terrorism. We'd, for, we'd parked global warming. And it feels now a bit of a different kind of tsunami coming back at us. There was the tsunami of the pandemic that overwhelmed every other thought and every other worry that we had. And it was like, that's retreating. And the, and the, the other wave is coming straight back at us. Mm. And it's kind of knocking us from under our feet. So I, so I think that's a good point that he made there. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there was un- always fear in, uh, on the streets. Like we say it all the time. I say, was it always as bad as this? But we just forgot because we've been locked in. So reading through, yeah, a lot of the social medias, you know, there's the concerns about specific things. And I thought Carlitos was really good there about the idea, as you rightly say, the idea that we've swept all this stuff under the carpet and then we're having to re- re-engage with all those, you know, previous fears, worries. And, and what being in lockdown has told us is actually to what extent we were no longer thinking about the the extent to which we had to prepare ourselves to go out mm-hmm. and deal with potential things. We've, it's allowed us to sort of, yes, we had different worries, very different worries and very real frightening worries, but it's kind of allowed a sort of almost selective amnesia to kick in where now we're back out on the streets, you're like, oh, shitting, hell, hang on a minute. And mm. it was like this, but I do think it's got worse. We've talked before. It's like, <laughs> I've always wondered, where are all the burglars, mm. the burglar houses? We've always said that, haven't yeah. we? Where, where, where are, what are they? they doing? Are they yeah. playing petonk in their yeah. garden? I doubt it. What are they doing? Yeah. You know, where are all the people who sadly well, unfortunately, are not looked after? County or, lines drugs are not dealing. looked after or picked up by yeah. mental health services. You know, what you know, where are where are the predatory sexual attackers? Yeah. If there are that many crimes yeah. every normal yeah. year. Where are they, yeah. you know? And so there is this worry that, you know, as they're unleashed, there's going to be a sort of urgency and a febrile, as we use that word again, you know, rush to kind of do stuff. But one of the things that kicks through in a lot of the social media is the responsibility of things like social media and news gathering organisations. And I do think that, you know, there is a worry and there is a fear. You know, most, as you said earlier, you alluded to it earlier, you know, so much of the violence from the football was freely available, freely shareable. We could witness it quickly as it was happening. Now, I I don't, again, I don't sign up to this idea of there was always football hooliganism. I remember it when I was younger. There were, there were the whole skinheads, the National Front thing, you know, that it was there. But we didn't see it all the time. No. And I do sometimes wonder, I suppose in my worst moment, and I'm a huge advocate of the benefits and pros of social media in so many ways, I do sometimes worry that... Is it, does it become a sort of circle of feeding itself? Not that people watch it and think they'll do it, but that... You know, the culture of fear and worry, and so there's an irascibility and there's a sort of tendency to fly off the handle or be overprotective. You know, is it making us all anxious? Are we getting a mm. collective anxiety so. from the news, from social media? I think and all so, this absolutely. Kind of stuff? 
Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're just a bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. OK, well, let's have a read through some of your comments. Um, someone here interestingly said, you must have said in your Instagram post that, you know, that maybe you, you Nadia, of the telly, catastrophize stuff. And interestingly, this person says, I think you do. You, you've been very honest about it. You said you catastrophize everything. I think you do. Do you think you do? I don't remember saying that on my oh, Instagram. Right. Okay. Oh, well, maybe they just—they think you catastrophize. I do. No, but I do catastrophize. It's part part of the way that my anxiety—I deal with right. my anxiety. Yeah. Um, I really do try and control that because it it, it doesn't help to catastrophize. Yeah. You know, it's the old, you know, the old way of coping with anxieties. And well, if I think of the very worst thing, then I'll be ready if the very first worst things happens. No, you won't. You will not be any more ready than anyone else. But you'll you'll have experienced it multiple times by yeah. just putting it out there in your head and out to yeah. everybody else. So yeah, bit random, but yes, I'll agree with that. Betty Bongo Trips. I, I, I don't think you need to be anonymous for these ones. Uh, said <laughs> this is very sweet because she started with one comment and then moved to three, and it becomes apparent why. <laughs> Social media scared me, and they don't even have to go out for that. So that's yeah. interesting—the idea that yeah. the outside comes, comes in. in. Yeah. yeah, so that's different. But then, she well, goes, exactly. I mean, just look at all the violence that the girls have witnessed. Exactly. I mean, it's just horrific. And it anesthetizes them and numbs out. them, and yeah. then suddenly it makes exactly. you more scared to go out. Because what if what I saw on, on social media? Yeah. Happens, oh, this guy was just walking along. He just got rammed. Yeah. I mean, one popped up on my phone yesterday. This guy just jumps out of a car. This is in America. A woman's walking along with her three kids and she just snatches the youngest one, runs around to the car, puts her in the seat and then the mum runs over to the car, gets into the passenger seat and drags her child back out of the window. Now, that's petrifying. Yes. I mean, that will be extremely rare. Yeah. But I saw it. Many of our kids will have seen it. I can't remember what account it was on. And you just think... How can we give them a sense of real confidence and, mm. and 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 freedom when they're when they're seeing this sort of stuff on a daily basis, scaring the shit out of them? And I think our responsibility as parents is to absolutely tell them the dangers. We you can't. I think it would be irresponsible to pretend to them. You know, if we stood at the door and sent them off in a sort of yeah, little well, boater, yeah. well, you know, with a little kind of straw, oh, head out into the world, you'll be fine. You're totally irresponsible. But I think the important thing is to keep saying it's extremely rare. It's extremely rare for a man to jump out of a car yeah, and drag a child away from, from their family. Yeah. Betty Bongo Trips then goes on to say, dare culture scares me, which is interesting because I think dare culture is something that really kicks through on TikTok and things like that. You know, you see people doing dares and doing things mm. that are just dangerous. And that's a really interesting... I'm really pleased you mentioned that because daring was that. something... Yeah, yeah, but daring was a major part of being, especially, I say, a young boy, just because I was a young boy, you know, and then she goes on a third time. So she's done social media scares me, dare culture scares me. And she has, in fact, everything. <laughs> I'm with you on that, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, someone else here says, worried sick about boys taking advantage of my girl and drug taking. And this yeah. is important. I mean, I know we, we use the kind of racism of the football as a kind of... No, no, but it was, the, the question yeah. very much was, what are you fearful in the streets? Yes, I know you've absolutely. gone quite on the football. No, 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 we've talked certainly... a lot. We've <laughs> talked a lot about it. Maggie yeah. talked solely about it. Yeah. Almost, and I'm just sort of spreading it out a bit. Yeah. Um, Someone else here says, I'm 24, but it's scary out there. I think parents are right to be worried. Yeah. 
Um, someone else says, no, it's so scary out there with all these stabbings going on. My son mm. is 21 and I always worry about him. I mean, a man the other day, last week, got on the tube with a machete. Mm. People were running and screaming to get into the other carriage. They thought they all thought they were going to die. He had no reason at all. And, you know, he, he, he hacked somebody's head. You know, and all the girls, all the kids saw that. That was in London. It was on the tube last week for no real reason. We saw him being arrested. You know, they got him. And and I that ra- those random attacks mm. are in my head every time I go out because we've seen a lot of random attacks. Now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and still, it's extremely rare. Yeah, well, but it doesn't help us not, not have this undercurrent, yeah. this 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 just wobble inside me all the time. Yeah. Just as much for myself, actually, as, yeah, yeah. as, as the kids. I mean, you say it's, 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 not, it's, it's not common, but I mean, you know, as we sit here, listener, you know, London has had the highest number of stabbings this, oh, this year so far, that, uh, I think more than any other year. Um, someone else here says, I live in Spain. My 18-year-old pal, were beaten and stabbed last Saturday night. Oh, God. I mean, you know, I, you know, and another point is that how much of a role does alcohol play in yeah. all of this? You know, it, it, you know, it. Well, we wouldn't have seen the scenes that we saw last Sunday night if their people hadn't been drinking for eight hours before the match even started. Someone else here says it's not just teens. My best friend's son, who is 36 and a dad of two, was attacked and killed. Mm, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Uh, Emma Carter says, I worry every time my boy goes out. He's 24 now. There's so much violence out there. Uh, But Sue says what we're kind of saying here, but this is how do you define this? We probably worry too much. And at some point you have to let go. Communication is key. Well, I mean, every single time they go out, I let go. Because every single time they go out, I don't want them to go out. And mm. I always say, I always say, of course you can. Yeah, have a brilliant time. That's my absolute... Mum, is it right? Go, yeah, of course you can. That's all I ever say. I never say no. But inside, just a little part of me <laughs> dies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Isabel says, when I look at the state of the world, it scares me. Mm. Our politicians are mostly evil. And I think that's a really important point. I think our lead, the leaders of countries how, how are dropping yeah, the ball massively. don't trust them. We don't trust any of them, especially in this country. We don't trust any of them. Look, this is very worrying. Amy says the one thing that scares her is spiked drinks. Oh, I know, darling. I know. You just don't let it out of your hand. We know a number of people that have been spiked and you just... That's the thing. Actually, it's a really good point to bring up because that's the thing. I really do go a bit over the top with the girls sometimes. You know, Not not Kiki, but Maddie. I'm just like, just be real. Like, she's going away in in, in a few weeks um, to a seaside town and I'm like, oh my God. This place, neither of us want her to go, do we? But mm. of course, we have to say, yeah, great, have a great time. But I, I've said it through about ten times. You do not put your drink down. You do not get get pissed when you get back to your Airbnb. Do not get rat assed as mm. a group. Who's going to be sober? Who's going to be looking out for anybody? Because she mentioned, Maddie mentioned in her um, recording there on, on that night about the girls that were drunk. And it was terrifying as she was telling us the stories of those girls. What wasn't it, Mark? She said, you know, there was girls. She said there were sweetest girls, but like absolutely in high heels. Just so, so drunk on their own, on their phone, like looking where they were. She was terrified. And she was going up to these girls Mm. and getting them to 
to give her their number so she could check up that they got. I'm so proud of her when she said that. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. But but that, of course, we were like really pleased that Maddie was looking after these drunken girls. But of course, you're thinking that could also be our girls on another night, you know. Uh, There's an anonymous one here. As a 21 year old, the state of the world is a massive reason why I won't have kids. Yeah. That's almost an entire discussion. Is yeah. it, you know, should we have children in this? Knife crime and the ridiculous sentences handed out. Yeah, there's no real punishment, is there? Not not good enough. Me, but also, I don't think, it's not about just punishment, it's about looking at the root cause. Why are there so many stabbings? Mm. Why is there so much violence on the street? What's going on with our... And that's where a failure of leadership kicks in. Terrible failure. Um, Mia says, it's always a fear that you'll be caught in a wrong time and wrong place situation. You're absolutely right. You can be doing everything right, you can be behaving brilliantly and then you'll be on the bloody... Sarah well, and Maddie said, Maddie said after the Sarah Everard case, the men were even worse out on the street and they were kind of enjoying making, knowing that girls were as scared as they were with all the conversations that had been had. Oh, it's so sick. I felt really depressed myself now. And whereas one person here, Karen, says it's terrifying out there, someone mm. else says, I think it's scary out there only because it's reported more than ever before. It okay. does make you worry, that- though. Let me think that that's maybe what the case is. Yeah. Maybe that can soothe me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of parents saying they worry about their son's safety with knife crime and, again, just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Kelly says, I have an 11-year-old boy and it scares me to death him getting jumped on for no reason. Yeah. It's like my friends with sons. Oh, my God, they fear yeah. it every time oh. they go out. Yeah, no, I was talking about... Sorry, we were interrupted again. Um, I was talking about being out with my friends and getting beat. I got beaten up, basically, oh, by Chelsea right. supporters. And I remember as I skidded into the road, a car nearly ran me over. It broke, it stopped. The guy got out of the car to see if I was all right. But in the process, we both turned around to the girls that I was with and these guys were running at them and threatening to hit them. And oh, the girls yeah. leapt into a bush to kind of get away from them. I mean, you're not you know, safe just because you're a girl. But that was alcohol again, yeah. alcohol. Um, this one's interesting. Catherine, the hatred at the moment is terrifying me about the world we live in. And I think that goes to the heart of where I felt the morning after everything. Kind of, you know, uh, the morning after the football, the football was a catalyst for just going, bloody hell, bloody hell. The number of things we are all worried about. Um, you know, it's just, it's just sometimes it just feels insurmountable. And there's lots of comments here about, you know, racism, alcohol, drugs and men. Um, Both my children drive and I live in constant fear of them having a car accident. You know, there are many, many things that parents are scared of. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, there's literally we had so many comments. We just couldn't couldn't read them all. You almost feel that we could just read the ones that are remaining and just discuss them. Mm. But I I think suffice it to say, I think suffice it to say, we've... um, Scared ourselves shitless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going out anywhere I today. I'm going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I think I just want to stay in with my fly spot and just hit flies. That feels very, very I, safe. I think that you and I should give each other a high five that we got through that podcast. Fucking hell. With all the skips, skips postman, dogs, flies, yeah, flies. <laughs> An enormous box that's been delivered with a fan because oh. we're swelteringly hot in here. I wonder if this means we're going to be in the studio now that they've lifted restrictions. Yeah. Well, you know what I wondered might be an interesting comp- topic for conversation is grandparenting today. Maybe mm. we should get the grandparents in. Oh, yeah, could maybe get your great. dad and mum or your dad and, and my mum in to sort of mm, talk about what it means really to be a grandparent today. Yeah. Confessions of a grandparent. Ooh. Anyway, as I say, I'm now going to go and lock myself in a cupboard. <laughs> 
Wow, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. <laughs>